And Launch Left, a space for famed creatives to launch the next wave of music rebels and also an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice. But a necessity. I'm so glad you did it yeah. this time. It's well, great. Because you put your hand out. And I was, was like, like oh, come on, do it. To say something. <laughs> Today we have such a special guest. Who we got? Today we have Bat for Lashes, which is not her name, but that's the name of the band. Her and name is Natasha Khan. Natasha Khan, Natasha Khan. And we, she was like happy with the fact that we equated Natasha Khan with Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. We had um, so much fun with her. What a light in the world. Every time we talked to her about her, she changed the subject to... Everybody and everything else. Right? Yeah. She, Lifting up anybody and everything and she was just special and wonderful and sweet and talented and it was a absolute pleasure. everything she's saying everything yeah. she's saying is true so listen up folks listen up also she launches the incredible juliana barwick really rad launched artist so you'll tune in rate and subscribe follow us on all socials at launch left everywhere How you doing? Good. Better because we have Natasha Khan with us today. Did I say your name right? Yes. Natasha Khan. Whoa, this is Natasha a first. Shock me. This shock, is a first. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka I'm Khan. so glad yeah. you said that. I've been doing that my whole life. Tasha Khan. Yeah. Tasha Khan. <laughs> yeah. Love Shaka Khan. <laughs> Natasha Khan. <laughs> You have to say it like that every time. Natasha Khan. You do play instruments. I do. You write. Multiple. On piano? Um, Mostly? I write on piano, but also have written on guitar and also using like synths and samples. And sometimes I might write with a, start with a beat. It just depends. And when did you first say, must find music expression? Um, I think it was around the age of, well, I mean, prior to this, I was dancing, trying to learn the dance routines to Dirty Dancing every night after school <laughs> and, you know, buying True Blue by Madonna when I was, was my first record. You know, we were always singing with my mum in the car, me and my brother and sister, like a lot of music in the house. Uh, but actually playing was probably when I was like seven or eight. We got a piano and I was really bad at lessons because I was... I think I just had a real issue with sight reading. I found it really difficult. And I didn't really like playing other people's stuff oh, because okay. I just wanted to make up my own songs. That's a good sign. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Megalomaniac from the start. But um, <laughs> No, songwriter is what I was thinking. Yeah, songwriter, exactly. And Same then, difference. <laughs> <laughs> we're all insane. But um, I'd put my ghetto blaster on the top when I got a bit older and press play and record. And then just improvise for hours on the piano. And um, I remember I actually used one of those pieces of music for when I was 11 on my first record. It's like a hidden sample. But um, I found it and I was like, this is so sweet. I should, re you know, bring it back. Yeah, it's a special, special thing yeah. to have music as a kid. Absolutely. How old were you with that recording that you used on the record? 11. I, I think I was in about 11. I missed that part. Sometimes I just, okay. I'll just miss whole, just see. So you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, I might come back and ask Your the question that you already <laughs> that we just got finished discussing. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I like it that. Happens for it's me. good to be thorough. Yeah, or just <laughs> or for, disassociated. Yeah, I can't figure it out. We're not sure which one it is. Um, yeah. Now I think. I mean, like you said, you just said, you know, megalomaniac and songwriter is sort of the same thing. But I do, I did have this really interesting theory recently that I read about, which is that um, little kids, like if you have any kind of trauma in the household or anything difficult that happens, that a lot of musicians are kind of, they use music as their their main attachment bond. So you kind of attach to a creative, a creative thing and then that becomes your lifeline and your the relationship with that thing becomes almost addictive. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be like, that can come from like some some difficult things. So yeah, I think we kind of cross I walk a fine line. Yeah, I think that's difficult. true. Yeah. Not only as a creative or that being your medium of creation, but I think music particularly speaks to um, teenagers. I mean, we all, whether you're actually creating, right, or mm-hmm. not, sing, song, songwriting or whatever, I um, I mean... It's powerful. It is. Yeah. It's what... Oh, look at this little lovely bug who showed Aww. up with those beautiful flowers. That's, That's so sweet. Khan. Thank you for those lovely flowers. Of course. They're, they're lilac in color, aren't they? They look like meadow flowers and they remind me a bit of England. So I thought I'd bring a little bit of, um, you know, natural billowy something poetic into... The England has got those going on? I mean, yes. Uh (laughs) In the flower shops, no. They um, have patches of green that we have. A few patches of green. Next to my house actually is Victoria Park. And they did a thing recently where they let the whole periphery of the park is allowed to grow wild to encourage bees and butterflies so you do on it sounds crazy but in hackney you can walk through meadows of wildflowers which is awesome to help the animals um Um, yeah please go ahead no that's a jinx we both went um we also just ordered the same exact thing at the restaurant Yeah, we that did. Warm that was well. Yeah. No, she tried. That was the, that was the one thing she went rogue and got a warm tortilla. Didn't and eat didn't it, and it. then tried to get everybody. Else I've been offering life. warm tortillas today <laughs> to wherever I go, <laughs> and nobody wants it. It's very yeah. strange. Um, I don't mean to go back to it, but I feel like it wasn't fully explored. I okay. wanted you guys to like nod your heads and be like, yeah, and then like have your own stories about it. But I don't. Fa- is that like wh- like that point in your life in mm. that? teenage angst aspect of life music does become such an important lifeline right and that right somebody's got a teenage kid (laughs) no No, but i was also a teenager not so long ago like it's really fresh i i actually just um talking about teen i'll tell you about my thing too but um i just um was a teacher for 10 weeks at a continuation school in downtown LA. Um, So it's like mainly like black and Hispanic kids and kids that are, are, you know, have dropped out of school and are having difficulty completing their high school points. I mean, I don't really understand the high school thing here, but because I was a teacher back in England, they let me come and teach their kids. And, um, but it was so amazing because a lot of them were really interested in music and we did like meditation stream of conscious writing we did collaging we made they're all like between 14 and 18 we made um we got like wine crates and made dioramas of their like 
what they would consider their safe internal space to look like because a lot of them come from really troubled homes or they don't really feel that kind of they just but what's so interesting is they didn't they don't have that time to sit and contemplate like I used to have my Walkman in Mm. and like you say like the cure disintegration was on continuously or just like Nirvana or like Sonic Youth or whatever it was that expressed my angst and my my rage and difficulty and sadness it was just always there and I was kind of I had time to wander around like in nature and think about how I felt and sit quietly and read and everything but what was so crazy with these kids is like how do you you know like we're trying to make these dioramas like how do you feel um what objects or colors would describe like when you feel safe what's the color of it or what you know is it nature or is it like a mall or is it your house and so many of them are just constantly like texting and tweeting and doing all the stimulation stuff that I think it was so like it was so um like arresting for them to just consider these things and they was just some of them were just like they couldn't even like get to that place Mm. um so I I totally noticed like a difference between um I think all teenagers are kind of angsty obviously but there's like an added there's an added pressure nowadays that I didn't realize of which is just so much distraction in that teenage mind that's already confused and like going over and over itself um and so I I just wanted to take them all to like a lake and just be like can we just sit quietly Mm. for a minute and but we we brought in like the meditation thing at the beginning of every class and at the start like they'd do it and then their legs and feet would be fidgeting and they'd be like looking around like it's really uncomfortable for them to sit with themselves but then by the end of the 10 weeks they were all like dropping into it and just loving it and they all made like amazing I'll show you pictures after but they just made the most beautiful artwork and and some of them who'd never painted before like painting mountains and I was just like this is so cool like it's definitely it's definitely in there and we would play music as well and I was playing all sorts of weird like soundtrack you know instrumental music and they were like what's this miss it's weird and stuff (laughs) but but, you know like all the senses like trying to kind of incredible what was this program that you it was it's it's like a continuation school downtown but it's um they basically just started that school in the last year and they've changed they've since changed the name so I can't remember the new name but I can tell you after but um the course leader is this woman called Denise that I know who's done so much community work she's really amazing and she they get in like four or five different artists practicing practicing whatever the word is Mm -hmm. artists Mm -hmm. um to come in and each design their own course so you do it two days a week for 10 weeks and then at the end you present the work um so we have filmmakers they did a documentary about homelessness in LA and like they made packages for homeless people with like sanitary towels and painkillers and like you know like a clean pair of socks and stuff like that and then they made a film about taking that it was so cute it was just I just That's yeah crazy. I was crying the whole time yeah just like but and all yeah. this is all happening during like you I've noticed because I follow you on Instagram that the amazing amount of breadth of work you've been doing around your record 
including directing a music video and just that it's high concept like I love I always love a concept yeah. record so <laughs> I was immediately drawn to it and, yeah. and and uh and this I'm assuming you were teaching this course during a lot of some of that as well right because you've been really busy from yeah. what I could tell artistically for your record um I like being busy I know yeah I think um <laughs> When I first moved here, I, the meditation thing, I started with teaching prisoners who are coming out of, of prison. And I did that like the first year I moved here because I moved here and I didn't have that much to do. I just finished my album before and I was, I just hate not um, generating things or like being able to like interact. Mm -hmm. And I found LA quite isolating yeah. um, and lonely compared to, you know, Shoreditch or whatever, you know, <laughs> Hackney, like walking around and seeing people walking yeah. past you and you just get that you know New York's the same like that yeah. energy I love yeah. that mm -hmm. and so I moved here and I was just in Highland Park like hi and I didn't know anyone um you know had a few really sweet old friends but they got fed up of me trying to come and watch movies with them every night so I was like <laughs> I need to do some stuff and so I started with the like asking people that were doing like community work because that's my background is being a nursery school teacher or that sort of thing um, so I did a bit of that which gave me some structure because I like mm. having a few days a week even as yeah. a creative person I need I miss like being yeah. in a work environment makes sense. Um, and then I went to Death Valley and did loads of paintings and lots of like photography and started writing a script for the Lost Girls film and that's how like it just started kind of creeping up on me mm. um, but yeah in times of of stress or like loneliness or if I have creative blocks or something I'll go and do something like the teaching thing or go and learn how to illustrate children's books or do I just think it's really important to keep it rich but not um always in this chosen medium that yeah. people think of you as because yeah. I, I just think you have to like you have to exercise the muscle in all in all areas and interacting with humans is like the best stories come out of that amen do you feel like that was a quality that was ingrained in you instilled in you uh to have that sort of like chutzpah or that like get up and go to like try new things and fill your time with something that or do you feel like that's something that you've practiced and learned mm -hmm. and seen has worked and how do you how do you keep that sort of discipline in your life i think it's interesting because I've just been thinking about this a lot um, because just thinking about kids and like how that how much they're affected and I what I realized is <clears throat> my um, my dad's a very sort of famous successful squash coach from the 80s and yes. <laughs> I didn't even know there were famous squash coaches <laughs> yeah so basically there's a Khan dynasty of squash players <sighs> Um, who were number one world champions for years on end. Wow. And they all came from northern Pakistan and then they moved to London. And so my dad coached my cousin, Jahangir Khan, who was number one world champion for like 12 or 13 years. Whoa. But what's so cool about that, and the reason I love Karate Kid and Rocky and films like that so much, is because my <laughs> life was an 80s sports film, like an 80s sports rom romantic comedy, because... We'd get up really early in the morning. My dad would wake up at like five or six. Um, they'd have their like full, you know, Puma tracksuits. Yeah. There'd be like raw egg shakes and <laughs> sit-ups and like really intense working out. And loads of different kids came to stay with us. So our, our house was always full of like 
you know, Jonathan Power and Ian Sly came from America and we were like, wow, they're so gorgeous. This it's just was like the romantic Yeah, this is the romantic it. version is like just having crushes on everyone that comes to stay. And then my dad kind of, you know, tutoring everybody. But his, he was very, um, he was disciplined and focused and like, we're going to be number one. Like that was his thing is like, you're number one. I remember him saying it to my cousin and and I wasn't really involved in the sports side of things, but I think just seeing that dynamic, like his his um, his get up and go, probably just, it obviously went into me. I didn't realize it did because I was a really bad teenager and really naughty and I got kicked out of school and, and everyone was like, you're gonna be stacking shelves in a supermarket. And then- it's Nice, yeah, nice vote of confidence I remember, for a young lady. I remember that's what like my family would say. Um, Cause they were just so, angry with me because I was yeah. so rebellious and so bad because you're an artist yeah and I, <laughs> I was right I was like but I'm writing poetry I <laughs> um but I think yeah I just think it it um it took me a while to come out of that fog of the teenage madness mm. which it, which I think we underestimate is so hard um and then suddenly I sort of became this like swat, like I went from the duck to the swan and I was like, I'm like, I'm really determined, like I wanna do this and I'm gonna work my ass off. And I just became this really hard worker. What do you remember if there was like a certain shift, uh, a certain thing, some inspiration, I don't know, that brought you, or was it just a hormone? <laughs> that brought you from the away. ugly duckling to... <laughs> yeah. um, I, <clears throat> gosh, what was it? It was probably like my mum brought up three kids on her own. So like we had a very, we didn't have much money and we had a very, um, you know, she was very stressed about not having money and she was quite vulnerable in a lot of ways. And I think I went out to work pretty early, even though I was at school, we were always encouraged to have jobs. Um, and then when I left school, before I, I was like, I don't know if I want to do university or anything. I didn't really know what I wanted. Um, and I was conscious that like I had to make money. And so I did a bunch of really bad jobs in like factories and receptionists at like really boring places. Can you give us like a, hi, this is blah, blah, like, blah. Hello, this is Natasha Khan. You've got through to Sharp Limited. How may I help you? you know like well done. whatever right <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that but um yeah so I was doing really boring jobs and then me and my first boyfriend who I was with for a really long time from my teenage years we saved up to go to America mm. for the first time when I was I think I was like 19 and um because we were obsessed with all the beat writers and like Jack Kerouac and William Burroughs and like yeah. just really into like the idea of New York and San Francisco as this like holy holy land of culture and like things we loved and so I remember working like 11 hours a day in a Christmas card packing factory for a whole summer and we got out like it was a suburban boring I, I grew up in a very sort of suburban boring place but I think that's also good for artists sometimes too um uh, we left there and we arrived in New York and stayed in like a flea bag motel with weird paintings of nudes on the walls and people like, get out of here, you know, yeah. like the thing. So the and, yeah, well, a, no. yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, people screaming and the beeping of the cabs and like, the, I just felt like I was in a Woody Allen film and I was like, this is so amazing. And it like, it lit up every cell of my body 
to like elevate me into this place where I just thought there's eccentric creative like weird free people kind of living this alternate lifestyle that I never knew existed because my family was pretty mainstream and we you know I played piano with a trumpet player and a drummer in like a crappy youth hostel and like we'd play to like get free you know free board for the night and we just traveled around we went to Yosemite I just like saw these giant landscapes I'd never seen and um I and we went to Mexico too and that was in like 2099 when Tulum and all that hadn't even really become anything yet so it was barren and it was just like we got this you know someone said oh you should go there so it was just this amazing moment and when I got back from there I I was like all these books and films and things I've loved all this time they're not just plucked out of nothing like they're they come from creative minds they come from a culture that that I can tap into and and there's a lot of that in England too but it's not so romantic because mm-hmm. I guess somewhere Cause else is always yeah, yeah <laughs> um it's is more like mysterious but um it felt like a, a, a shift wow I think it's the freedom as well as a parent to give your child the freedom to like go off and be like I don't know what I'm doing and your mom was really supportive in that way or or yeah. did you just kind of go off regardless uh, we were pretty independent kids like my mum was just busy trying to keep things together yeah and I used to run riot a lot right. so I don't where even do remember you, asking her where do you <laughs> stand in the line of the three I'm the eldest uh-huh. yeah just like me <laughs> <laughs> how was your like were you like did you travel did you were you naughty kids we, we traveled Permanent all together travel. yeah we oh, were like we were a together. nomadic group we we lived we like in a mobile gypsy. home a lot of the time yeah okay, let's put cool. it that way yeah. okay we, we would park at national parks and that would be like Mother's our house months for like end. yeah yeah that's and it was that, five five kids five two kids, parents two dogs. and two dogs oh is it and it was all in like a mobile home it was super fun though was it was it really like because to me that sounds so magical and I wish that happened to me but because I had the opposite I lived in a house for 20 years growing up do you feel like you'd be so different if you just lived in one place oh yeah we'd be vastly different vastly different and I don't think at the time we probably uh, romanticized it or you know thought it was like some great romantic dream but looking back I wouldn't have it any other way yeah yeah it's you know you know it's hard to make friends when you move around a lot yeah. or you finally make one and then it's like we're leaving yeah yeah what? I have one friend yeah yeah that but yeah. looking back <laughs> and my one friend is still my yeah. one, my very dear friend like oh. she lives here in LA and I just saw her last night so yeah it's uh it's and she would travel with us so then they'd be like, well, bring your one friend. <laughs> oh, that but I have good. definitely, I was thinking about it um, last night as well, as, is it is so romantic looking back that we literally traveled as a family in a motorhome mm. and like pulled up to Leo Carrillo State Beach and just lived there out at Malibu. And, you yeah. know, just we would go to national parks and just live for a week or two, camp, hike, and make food in the mobile home I mean it was really one of those things where you're like wow that's not like a normal no you know when that's kind of what you know th- yeah, we're yeah. really into that uh left of center sit in the world yeah. that's a, that's what this the podcast is yeah, to exactly. talk to artists um, like you and different people that yeah. just get their opinions on what 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 
you know, where the creative comes for them and from especially like when when it's an indie artist and people who already are kind of like, no, we're going to go a little bit outside the mainstream, you know, what makes you tick or what what inspires. And and so I think some of that does come from our own realization that we've always been a bit outside the box and okay with that like actually quite yeah upbraiding quite into that yeah Yeah. and it's and it's really neat to get an opportunity to talk to other artists who exhibit similar signs of not (laughs) normal yeah Yeah, non-conforming yes that's better yeah Um, but yeah so I love hearing that you just kind of had the wandering spirit and took off and then you kind of knew then that the like you wanted to live in the u.s and work and be a creative in the u.s like i didn't i didn't want to live there yet because i was still quite young and like very attached to my brother and sister and family and stuff um but it was like this sort of holy grail that i discovered and um and I and I kept going back so I have you know like I'm living I've been living in LA for three years but I lived in New York in like 2008 for a while and and I think I've been to America every year since you know just always going to the the coasts um but having that little gem in in my heart of like seeing Yosemite and like you say just sort of seeing bears and like sitting under giant redwood trees and stuff I always was very attracted to like um the not necessarily just native american mythology but like the mythology of like ancient nature and stories in all cultures but when i came here i just felt this really strong vibration coming it sounds so hippie but like coming off the trees and like the waterfalls and the i was like this is this makes sense to me like this nature is um there was a lot of like old spiritual energy in the land which I think is very unique and like really special and I'd been reading this book called Women Women Who Run With The Wolves Mm -hmm. and um, that was kind of my bible because my both my parents loved music and my dad was especially a real storyteller and he used to love telling us like stories with morals at the end you know like weird sort of ancient stories and when I like my dad wasn't around anymore but I think I sort of replaced his storytelling or moments of him storytelling with with just getting really obsessed with books and when I got a bit older and started reading the women who run with the wolves book I was just like these um archetypes and characters and myths I think they're just a really powerful way of creatively of of um touching people really deeply rather than being very kind of on the nose and like um spelling things out like you're saying the concept record so for me like concept concepts and and characters that that flesh out a narrative kind of there's a magic in in those stories there's Mm -hmm. something ancient that I think gets passed down Mm -hmm. and it's sort of um the bones of stories I think take a really long time to disintegrate like I don't Mm -hmm. think I think they just stay around and so yeah I mean, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but I was... I do, I'm I, so know. enraptured <laughs> with it. I'm like, go ahead, keep going. It doesn't matter. It's uh, totally... I love how you said the bones of stories take a long time to disintegrate. That is beautiful. Yeah. It's true. I mean, I think it becomes part of our, you know, uh, cultural... I, like, whether we know it or not, it's, like, in ourselves, like, those yeah. old stories. And, it, and, and you're right, like, even hinting at them 
loosely like awakens that part of us that already knows that mm -hmm. the moral of a story you know what i mean yeah. it's a um i i liked your spin on um lost boys with with the, the record that you're putting out now <laughs> it's lost girls is what it's called right yeah, yeah. and that's got all, it's got all the mythological like snake and there's mm -hmm. so many like mythological sim symbolism in it a mm -hmm. lot um that now i'm putting two and two together after you're expounding a bit on your yeah. love of storytelling and and uh ancient nature you know ritual yeah. type that's yeah. really powerful and I do think this country, like in the parts where the nature is so alive, mm. you can feel the energy is really, you know, powerful. I, and I don't find it too hippie. I mean, I absolutely. Oh, well, you're a hippie, so. Right. I yeah. That's why. Yeah. But I, yeah, I absolutely talk to trees and stuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad to know another know. tree talking person. Yeah, that's great. What about you, Sis? High five, guys. High five. Okay. <laughs> Ow! Ow! So <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, my arm wasn't long enough in this jacket. I was just, like, just ah, pour out trying. <laughs> no, I was just taking the piss when I said, "Yeah, because you're a hippie." It's true, though. But I'm, um, I, I get, I'm there with, with you guys on everything. Yeah. Let's let's definitely let's delve deeper into talking to trees, mythology, yeah. energy. I'm fine with it. Let's go. Yeah, so, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. I don't, I don't know what I think but no I, I mean because it sounds weird to sort of talk about it in those terms but for me like music is such a good medium of it's like, some of it sounds so dancing like it's pop me you know there's all sorts of like styles and stuff on there it's 80s and it's all these things but underneath that I'm like I'm doing like you know rubbing my hands together thinking how can I sort of branch some topics that I think are really important for us and reconnect us to something really deep and sort of um communal that's happening and like all these shifts and things and for me the lost girls is a take on the lost boys but it's but it has its sort of whole own narrative which was about because going out to death valley and going to these like huge landscapes i was thinking i kept sort of imagining these women around like riding on motorbikes like this gang of women that were just you know like trawling the desert and they live out there doing amazing rituals and just contacting like esoteric things and just being highly evolved spiritual beings and then what would happen if they came into this like concrete jungle like how would they how would they cope what would they want what would they do and um and this story evolved of like I was in I'm in LA I'm in this like concrete place and I get really stressed with too much concrete because I can't like connect I feel like there's like a crust over everything that I can't get underneath and so I just made started making this script and this idea but it was basically just for my own survival was sometimes I just wish like this gang of girls would come and grab me and take me away to like you know that huge redwood tree or that desert and and like cleanse me with their with their love and like their tribalism and their, their tribal yeah and, and to me tribalism all that is is just like love and connection and like you know a crew. containment yeah a crew um and in LA which like we said is such a place where you really have to curate your own experience and find a like you have to find your tribe it's so essential yeah. otherwise you're kind of like lost to the wind um I created my own like you know made up tribe of 
of vamp vampire women because when they came into like the city they'd have to be they'd have to turn up as vampires like a gang of vampires to be tough mm -hmm. because they're like no one's gonna mess with us like we're bike riding vampire bitches like don't <laughs> mess with us um but then when when they eventually did capture me and took me away it's like this experience of liberation and um yeah so deep that. and beautiful Exciting. and also i could just hear you talk all day <laughs> your voice and the timbre of i sound it, like a nursery like, school teacher you're great <laughs> you're a great storyteller though you can, really i love the timbre of your voice um well I've only gotten to hear like one or two because you have two singles out. Is that right? Yeah, but the album came out um, a few it days ago. It already so You did. can hear the whole thing oh now. Oh my gosh. And so now I can listen to it. Oh yeah. my God. That's so exciting. And I really, relate to, <laughs> I really relate to what you said about, um, you know, on the surface, it, you know, yeah okay so it's 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 throwing it's throwing it back to lost boys a little bit but mm. female version but underneath like how to imbue you know a message that you want to talk about or things that you like culturally would love to see and i that is literally you know what uh, molson made a record and that's always like on the surface you know it's for my brother mm. and it's called river but like really like what i want to talk about is the universality of loss and and yeah. how we all struggle with losing people you know like why don't why don't we talk about death more basically i want to talk about death i but, said that like last week i was right. saying that that was my like poster for the week yeah yeah and and i'm really interested in having like just saying that even and seeing if that helps people begin to even think about it because we're so scared of it mm. yet it's the twin of life it's the other half of, yeah. of what, why we're here and i don't know in bhutan they say like speaking about or thinking about death five times a day brings more happiness yeah and like just brings culturally we are so shut down around it mm -hmm. that i found that it was very liberating for me to even like um include my brother and 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 create a record that was like an you know an homage in a sense but within that it began it opened up that part that mm -hmm. was like you know that shuts down around death right and so that was really eye-opening to me how liberating that was for me personally mm -hmm. and i tend to always want to uh, like the personal becomes universal like i want to have yeah. conversations about that when things move me i'm like oh does it move you too is this something you would you know so i mm. i also totally respect and get that 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 like surface version of the record versus mm -hmm. what you hope will happen organically like again you can't really like go well, hey everybody message. yeah, yeah. we're gonna tell you about what's the yeah but at the same time it's sort of like just opening a little portal to like hey anyone think about well, there's a nuance i think for like people that are great artists to me are people that um respect that nuance and the gray area between commercialism and creativity like the deep muse or like the voice that comes through i think needs like full respect and just to be channeled but then sometimes it's being it's tapping into the zeitgeist and like being aware of you know like themes and sexy like cool things that make people feel alive like to me that's lost boys and yeah you know the bridge and i went to the bridge in santa cruz and like the mythology and the red leather jacket like yeah. all that stuff you're like sassy and cool yeah. like you need that too you don't yeah. just so it's it's that blending of the two mm -hmm. of the two sort of opposites that there's this like alchemy that comes in the middle and you're and then you hit people and they don't really you know some musical films just hit me so hard because they lull you into thinking 
this is cool and this is fun and then suddenly you're having like a death experience you know like yeah. or like a huge like a scene where someone something terrible happens in a film you're just like you're fully in it and I like that it's the tension and the release it's interesting you said before I know that that sounds very hippie and then we had that whole thing and <laughs> and it's very weird and nah, 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 and it just made me think and then you were talking about your record and you're in your hidden record and just thought about how interesting it is that the more we talk about things the more we normalize them and the more they and the less they become you know weird mm. right stigmas or whatever exactly and i and it's interesting because here we are in a room three women that seem to be pretty like-minded and and even in in that you know you saying oh this sounds like hippie and then rain saying, and i was just sitting back going like yeah it fucking does you guys, you guys like and yet i you know what i mean but it makes sense yeah yeah i think it's just that we were probably always there before this world that we live in now like that was where we came from and so now everyone's like oh it's so weird to go there but actually it's kind of like it's the original place like um peeling back those layers and going back is just is just going home rather than something new and because I think a lot of people are like that's new age and I'm like mm. what does new age like yeah. new age is it's not a new age we're in a new age right. of weirdness that was coined like, back before yeah. the new age so it's just now yeah not new, right <laughs> yeah but I think there's been a lot of suspicion because we've created this you know, like, I, I'm just thinking back to this really amazing hike, like a walk I did in Angeles Crest. And I went with a load of friends and we camped, talking about your childhood, we camped out. And um, my dog Janice came with us and she was sleeping in the guitar case and we were like playing by the fire. It was so nice. And then we decided to go for a walk to see the sunset from the, the sort of precipice of the mountain. And so we all walked up like Lost Boys, you know, like the Peter Pan ones with our staff. And like, we went up there watch the sunset and then we just all sat quietly and I guess we were sort of meditating but we didn't say we were and then when we walked back we all had brought torches with us and I was like why don't we just try and navigate back in the dark like this would be fun and so because I've been reading something about it and I was just interested to see if it came true but what happens in the pitch black dark because it was it was pretty dark <laughs> is um you know like your ears turn on and like all your hair stand up on it and you guys know like you can see really pretty well in the dark and you're you just become an animal like you're just like you know I was like prowling through like no one can mess with me I know what I'm doing <laughs> and you get this confidence and you get but this connection to nature because your periphery everything around you is important information and then I'm like I'm here and I'm like, I'm in the supermarket. It's like air conditioned, there's lighting, you know, we've got concrete, there's no dirt or dust or like things you really have to deal with. I'm never freezing, I'm never too hot. Like I'm, everything's temperate. I mean, I guess at the moment in the summer, it's not always temperate, but just in general, like the Western world is catered to make us so comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, this isn't where we come from. Like we're using this tiny amount of our senses mm -hmm. And so the joy that you get from sensory pleasure is like, is brought down too. Like where, when I'm just in this nice moderate room with the air conditioning, I don't feel like I did on that mountain. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like I reckon having sex on that mountain would be so much better than having it in a hotel room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you're just like, you're alive. Like there's something different. Um, and that's, to me, that's like 
the natural state. Right, not That's not so manufactured. Cool. Hey, do you mind if I ask you a question from someone who wrote in a question? <laughs> yeah. We sometimes do this on the show. <laughs> um, Chris, actually, he did the logo for Launch Left. He mm -hmm. did my record cover. He's a brilliant graphic designer. And I told him that we were going to speak with you today. His name is Chris Tucci. And, and he was like, I love Bat for Lashes. Mm -hmm. And he has a question for okay. you. Okay. Right. Here we go. There is a haunting and unearthly synth-driven sound to your music that feels nostalgic, like a lost relic from 1985 created in the same universe as Kate Bush's Hounds of Love or a score from an unreleased John Carpenter movie. Lyrics aside, the instrumental is powerful and could easily stand on its own next to any new wave, dark wave, neon, noir anthem. Yet your lyrics are just as powerful. What drives your writing process? Does the instrumental come first or does it vary from song to song? Wow, thank you. That's a beautiful I question. It's really nice. Um, it, it does vary from song to song, but with this album specifically, I was, I wanted to use those old synths that I'd heard in all the films that ever made me feel great, like The Goonies and E.T. and Karate Kid and like all those all those like magical scores from that time where kids it's get on their bikes yeah. and like ride down the the thing in their hoodies and you go ding, 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 and they're like oh, I want to go I want to go and I just you know I I had a Goonies themed ninth birthday party I was like I'm obsessed with those films and to me it's like the DNA of it's like it's imbued in my DNA is to when I hear those sounds it does something. But what I wanted to do was take those old synths, so we used Junos and Prophets and Evangelists and like Vocoders and like all these amazing old synths, but but to treat them in a modern day production way so that I was also adding, you know, things like 808 drum beats or, you know, more modern sounds that when you combine them together, they never that never would have been done in the 80s, but there's some something new again happening between the two opposites and... Um, so I'd start with a lot of like synth chord patterns, but then we would program beats that were kind of maybe inspired by like Iranian pop music or like some other weird thing I was into. And then I'd add like a vocal that, you know, spoken word vocal that's inspired by the Shangri-Las, like a 60s girl group yeah. or something. You know, it's like there's there's all these things that I'm like, oh, this needs to meet this thing. Like they might get on really well. And it's like <laughs> you're like matchmaking all these different yeah. eras and that's instruments. Um, but the overriding theme is that neon synth driven, like dark noir sort of new wave thing because it's just my happy place. Like. Mm. Um, and I think it's a lot of people's happy place because I think the 80s might have been the last time where they made those sorts of highly like sentimental films with kids that are just like, you know, like trying to do good things and there's some optimism and like expansion to it. Where Independence and autonomy yeah, at a young yes, age and there's not in a tribe way though, totally, you know, right? They're yeah. finding each other and doing them together in a wild sort of way. Yeah, which is the best. And yeah, like nowadays you can't let your kids play outside or whatever, mm -hmm. the, these all these new sort of intense paranoias that have come about, I think, from training to about children, like children's development. And I remember learning at, at school, like how so supremely important play is for kids play and and recess and creativity which are all the things that have been 
taken budgeted out, out of, by yeah. our crappy presidents. Mm. Um, that that in in um, un what's the word unsupervised play is where all children learn about social dynamics. They learn how to share. They learn how to cooperate. They take they push themselves to the edge. They take risks. You know, like climbing trees and jumping off like that. It it creates like intelligence in the brain um, in a way that just being stuck in a classroom where you're not allowed to no. be free. Yeah, you know, I mean, we know that. You have follow through and you see that you're going to be okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Risk taking. Yeah. So, yeah, I think just like, um, yeah, kids need that. I mean, that's something I... I feel really strongly about and it makes me sad that they they like have stopped art classes and stuff i'm just like what would i be with what would i've been without my art teacher it would it would have been really weird weird world anyway not to get too sad well, i really like um that even when the question is to you and about your music and what you're up to you always turn it around <laughs> to a universal like <laughs> truth and and thinking of others and like we that's so what we jam on here like that's really <laughs> that's why we like really that's a big part of talking to artists it isn't just and it's not meant to be an interview show it's a conversation yeah. and it's about these things that we all deal with or you know see the troublingness of life and how do creatives manage um to use their creative in a, in a way that can help change some of the things that are really mm -hmm. painful you know like and i think that goes back to definitely a belief in that the creative is really transformative and it's awesome artists it's often artists who are on the front lines mm -hmm. of change who are or who are choosing to make um their work echo in a subtle way ideally because I also like when anyone hits it over the head or stands on mm -hmm. a soapbox it can be jarring yeah just it's not as it's not something I tend to like you know but mm -hmm. you can feel kind of like what you were talking about with making a record and having an, a concept that's hidden and the forward-facing concept right mm -hmm. and I think that's what a lot of good artists are able to do is there's imbued in the work is so much richness of really mm -hmm. what they're trying to say mm -hmm. but they're not trying to hit you over the head with it and like uh, I just also just like how it's like you know you could spend this time just talking all about you and your project because it's that freaking interesting and seriously and like I think would make for a great one hour conversation just <laughs> talking about uh, lost girls but every time even that it's brought up or a fan writes in and asks a question, you like manage to still say, you know, you answer the question, but you go back to caring about the world, mm -hmm. which comes to one of our questions we always ask, like with everything going on, is there one particular thing? And then uh, activism is a word that might help you get to what we're talking about, mm -hmm. that you champion or feel really like moves you the most or that you really, um, I know you just spoke about play for children. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, I guess if it was to be anything, it would be taking like meditation or play. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's harder to take play into a school that doesn't kind of make space for that. But but I think the meditation stuff has been very powerful and moving for me to see young kids, especially teenagers that are really struggling with this crazy new set of rules that we're living by right now. Mm -hmm. um, and even, and prisoners too, like female prisoners, especially, I think um, 
but I taught a bunch of guys and I mean not especially why not everyone obviously needs needs to be kind of shown how to sit with themselves and have some some kind of semblance of reflection because I think that's where like the truth comes from that's where you develop a a relationship with your intuition and that's where you start to see through some of the bullshit that people try to sell you Mm. like it's scary to get old or like you need lots of money to be happy or you want to live in a concrete jungle instead of hug a tree like I feel like there's we all have this innate knowledge and if if I was to champion any activism that would be it because there's so many things like animals or the environment or all these things I feel passionate about but unless there's some mass consciousness awakening mm-hmm. none of that's going to change mm-hmm. you could you could run yourself into the ground trying to work for one particular cause but it starts with self-knowledge like know thyself that's like one of the most important you know things that was ever said I think so that's what it would be right on that's a great one and what about some influences for you musically that like really when you were a kid what were the first things or what what you know made you go I want to try this out or <laughs> do you have any you don't have to either if you don't. it's probably well Shaka Khan is a good one <laughs> yeah at the start because <laughs> what what influenced me was memories of sitting in the car with my mum and my brother and sister and all of us singing like, I feel for you, yeah. ooh, you know, like yeah. leaning out the window and <laughs> yeah. Joni Mitchell. I love you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I had to like fan my I, jacket that you gave me it's for so good appreciation for that. But um, yeah, it's like the joy. And I went to see Michael Jackson when I was like nine at the Bad Tour and I was obsessed with Madonna and the that era of the 80s, the pop music was so like, I mean, it was on fire yeah. and so like happy. Yeah. Um, that was probably like my first and, and like singing, you know, Stevie Nicks or like listening to Fleetwood Mac or Hall and & Oates and mm-hmm. that stuff that my mum was into and a lot of soul and Motown music. So I think I attribute my like um, my love of lyrics and storytelling and music to Motown because yeah. they're like three minute novels, yeah. you know, like these yeah. crazy dramas or like tracks of my tears or heard it oh, through the grapevine like so you're te- they're telling such a like a deep real story in three minutes mm-hmm. and it's so catchy and so joyous and like full of soul and like yeah. you just want to move and um and then teenage years it would definitely be like the cure and um you know all the sort of punk like you know post-punk and new wave stuff mm-hmm. I was really into and just like all the weird guitar bands that I New Order, loved. Love and Rockets, like yeah, and the I Bunnymen. Echo and the Bunnymen, I really like Susie and the Banshees. I liked Susie. I, I actually like loved uh, The Cure yeah. more than I didn't listen to Susie and the Banshees that much, um, but loads of people say that they they're like, oh my god, it's so Susie, and I'm like, I didn't really know her, but <laughs> The Cure was kind of like that, you know. But yeah, so. Um, and like the Cocteau Twins and yeah, you know, all the sort of like, yeah. like that yeah. kind of music. And I just describe it that way. But um, yeah, there's so, I love all music. I love classical music. I can't really choose anything. I think it's just having like an appreciation for, mm-hmm. for all of it. That was a great answer. Um, just one, just one other thing that I was just thinking about. <laughs> so you were saying. to be one other. Are you saying uh, your You're name? very shy. Was I, no, there was one other thing. Just one little There's something skeevy over there. I was wiping away. I was just thinking about how you were saying, know thyself, right? Mm-hmm. That's the... And then what came to mind for me was to thine own self be true, right? Mm. 
which is sort of in yeah Yeah. and then i just was thinking what so what do you do maybe if you don't mind answering like is there something that you find that you do when you aren't being true to yourself um does do you find that you get to that place still in your life at different times or that that, that, yeah that maybe you're not being true, true to yourself and you see the consequences of that and and within that maybe what are some of the things that you practice or do to bring yourself Mm -hmm. back to um, balance I definitely regularly find myself in that place I'm not like as a creative person talking today like that is somewhere I'm very comfortable and I um you know I've really refined like my process and I understand very quickly how to channel things and make stuff and put it out in the world and like that that to me is my saving grace like if you know that's the thing I can do other things like you know relationships or self-love or like just basic things like liking myself like that has been a lifelong you know not a struggle but just a relationship with myself that's been very like up and down and sometimes destructive and like I think just being such a creatives are such sensitive people. Um, it hurt like it's raw, like it hurts to be alive mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And you know, and I, I think we're all much more vulnerable and sensitive than we than we let on. Um, and it's tough. Yeah, like it's a daily process for me to just. Um, you know, I have to talk to myself sometimes and just be like, you're lovable, like, today's going to be a good day, like, this is, you're okay, like, um, you know, like, you're safe. Or I guess what it what it is is just pe- learning to parent myself has been, like, it sounds so therapy or whatever, but it's actually true, like, there's a very wounded little child inside of me that, you know, that that's probably why I started doing what I do. Um, but she's still very present and, like, I have to spend time with her Um, when I freak out and just be like you know just you know nurture her or just be like what do you need like what what can we do to kind of level things out do you ever tell her she's number one um (laughs) no but my I probably should do I don't know (laughs) you're number one maybe probably should do yeah um yeah so I I I think I'm quite a like a sensitive vulnerable person and I'm quite shy sometimes and I find like performing really hard. Um, you might wouldn't think that necessarily, but I think so many creative people I know are probably that way. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I think just loving yourself and then loving others is like my greatest, will be my greatest achievement when I die. It's not like, oh, I made how many albums or whatever. It's like, did I really honor that person with like the amount of love that they deserved? And did I, well, honor myself with the amount? Like I had um, like a scare, like a few months ago, like a breast biopsy where we had a cancer scare. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was in the hospital on my own because I didn't know that it was gonna happen. And it was very like, um, un- wow. like it was just a really random like thing. They found a lump and they were like, we're gonna do it now. And I was just like, <gasps> Um, and I, the thing that I thought about in the corridor when I was waiting to go and have it done was just like, 
nothing matters except for like the love between me and my family and the people I, my friends and my loved ones like mm -hmm. I just thought about that I was and I thought if something does ever happen to me and I'm not going to be here anymore I know that the people that would would remember me would know that they felt how much I love them mm. and like viscerally and deeply like there's nothing there's there, there wouldn't be a question and I would hope that I'd leave everybody with no question as to how much mm. I love them um so I think you know that's a pretty deep place to go but that's yeah. like that's really all that matters like I just know that that's all all that matters yes yeah <laughs> yes. Can I get one too? Stretch it. <laughs> Don't put a muscle in you. I know. I Don't nice put jacket. my jacket muscle. Like, whoa, that's a beautiful place to land for our, our, I kind of feel like we should just keep talking for another chunk of time too, though. But the one thing that, you know, we do here on Lunch Left is we, we have our guest um, big up another artist, tip their hat to someone that they think is up and coming and, and really um, doing something in the wide world of music um, that maybe no one's ever heard of. Well, I guess I, it would be good to big up people that I've made friends with and met since I've been here who are like really beautiful, amazing artists that I respect and have, you know have developed like loving friendships with. Um, I really like Juliana Barwick. Do you know her? I don't. Okay, so she she's the same age as like she's almost forty. She's um, a badass. Almost forty. Yeah, in October. Whoa, Libra or no Scorpio? Me too. Are you? Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> That's the biggest high five of all. Like, Scorpio. Yeah. Um, what are you? Not a Scorpio. What are you? <laughs> I'm a Capricorn. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, nice. Earthy. No, no I like that. Yeah. I like the Capricorn. Capricorn. No, it's good. It's good. My my mum and my mum and sister are Taurus, and I like I like the combination of the water and earth sign. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, Juliana Barwick. So she she I went to see her play the other night, and she basically loops these incredible, almost like orchestral layers of her vocal that sound like a whole choir of of women singing and then she plays like synths and piano underneath and it's got a bit of a Julie Cruz Twin Peaks vibe to it but then it's like very it can be almost like Enya kind of like celestial oh, sounding yeah. it's so cool and she sang a bit on my album and she's a she's just a wonderful person and her music's gorgeous like she's got albums worth of music really it's such a pleasure to yeah, sit down you with you and what a special being you are thanks for being thanks on the planet me. and teaching really nice. school children and meditation and <laughs> making insanely beautiful music thank you can't wait to see what this next record like what we're the next video and where Whatever you just goes. keep creating and it's really powerful to witness so thank you thank you thank you Hi, this is Natasha from Bat for Lashes, and the artist I would like to launch is Juliana Barwick with her song, The Magic Place.
Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. Everybody, 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 everybody